0: At AJ Products, we offer workplace solutions for office, school, warehouse and environment. But at AJ, we do things differently. Our approach to quality and innovation means we design and make many of our own products, giving a more unique and personal service to our customers. Like our classic and campus clothes lockers, designed and built in our own factory. And our whiteboards, guaranteed for 25 years, only at AJ. Visit ajproducts.ie or call 01 28 11 AJ Products. Surprisingly more. Ask AJ. Hello and welcome to another episode of Talking Point, fan of F1 podcast. Again, there's no race to discuss this week, or for a while for that matter, but there's still plenty of stories to go through. Doing so is myself, Finley Crabolda, and as always, the site editor, Michelle Foster today. Uh, Michelle, how have you been enjoying this? Uh, these strange few weeks?
1: You know, it's been a very strange few weeks. I don't think I've ever had uh, so many weekends off in my entire life. So it's uh, the family's enjoying it at least. We get to spend some time together. But uh, yeah, the world without racing is a very weird one.
0: It is, it is. Well, before we get into everything that has happened in that world today... Uh, I should just clarify to all the listeners that uh, thanks to that damned coronavirus, we currently don't have access to the studio we usually record from. So uh, I'm doing so from home. So if the sound quality isn't great or you hear a dog in the background, apologies. But uh, at least it hasn't caused us to postpone or even cancel the show altogether. When the same can't be said for much of the F1 calendar, sadly. So obviously in the last week, we've got the Dutch and Spanish Grand Prix, Uh, have joined the list of postponements as uh, coming from this morning Baku looks likely to join that list as well Um, and the big big news was that the race in Monaco hasn't hasn't just been postponed, it's been cancelled altogether. We spoke a bit about Monaco last week and probably in a few other episodes in the uh, as a race, it's not great but it's just the spectacle of it is so quintessential to the Formula 1 makeup that it's a pretty strange season without a Monaco Grand Prix, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's the first time in decades that Formula One won't be racing in Monaco. Um, I think we were all a little shocked when the announcement came that the the Dutch and the Spanish Grand Prix had been postponed. Uh, The assumption was that Monaco had been as well, and then they came out a couple of hours later um, and said, no, actually, their race has been cancelled. Um, it subsequently emerged around right about the same time as that statement was made. Prince Albert's tested positive for the coronavirus. So that may have had a, uh, played a role in their decision. But I think the big thing is because Monaco is a temporary facility, it takes them a couple of months to actually set up. And right now, they can't get people there to help them set up because like every other country on this earth, They've also closed their borders to try and protect the people. So yeah, weird. A a season without Monaco. I'm sure there are a lot of people who are actually relishing that. It is, like you said, a bit of a boring race. But at a time when Formula One is taking a financial hit, they really did need that uh, schmoozing to be going on.
0: Yeah, I think what you said about, um, you know, them having to put up the circuit is definitely um, probably the biggest factor. I mean, I went there just on the way. I remember me and my dad were driving back from a holiday in Italy. We were passing Monica. And we thought, oh, we should just go down and walk around it for a few hours. So we did. And honestly, it's, you look at it and it's pretty unbelievable that they just build a racetrack there. Like it's right in the center. And it, obviously, it's just a normal public road. So, yeah, I imagine it does take quite a lot of time and manpower to build it. So, yeah, I guess it does make sense. But, yeah, it is. It is gutting. I, I I never thought I'd miss it, really, because, yeah, obviously, the Saturdays are a lot more interesting than the Sundays. But uh, obviously, so far, that and the Australian Grand Prix are cancellations, the rest are postponements. The Baku Grand Prix postponed. Do you think we're going to get any other races full on cancelled? Those kind of announcements in the next few weeks or are they just going to announce a load of postponements for the time being?
1: I think races where possible, especially on, on tracks that are purpose built for racing, uh, will go with postponed as their answers um, in the hope that maybe somehow they can find a slot later in the year. I realize it's going to be absolute chaos. I don't. I, I don't. Uh, yeah, Chase Carey and Ross Braun and the FIA, they're going to have an absolute nightmare trying to put together a, a calendar when or if the season starts. Uh, another one that could possibly post be cancelled might actually be Canada because that also, you know, the Circuit de Villeneuve also makes use of public roads there as well. So I think it's pretty much the sports street races that could could take the word cancelled instead of postponed. But you never know. I mean, it's Canada they're now saying could be the start of the season, which I think that would be an absolute thriller. But then moments after people started thinking that, um, Canada pulled their team from the Olympics saying, like, even if it goes ahead, we're not taking that chance. So I'm not sure Canada would be willing to open their doors to the Formula One paddock, which, I mean, you can't really blame them if that's the decision they make.
0: I'd love Montreal to be the first race of the season, but with the way things are looking at the moment, I really can't see... The, you know, the full circus being able to get back underway again, probably until late 2020, Um, which brings on to the idea, you know, there's been talk of maybe the season becoming a kind of 2020, 2021 super season rather than just the standard 2020 season. Because obviously if if it gets underway in, I don't know, let's say September, October, that's not really a lot of time to complete a season so do you think they will maybe merge the two into some kind of super season
1: i don't know i mean it's an interesting concept and uh, i can't for the life of me see why not given that they have decided that the teams will be using this year's chassis next year um, and that the the regulations will stay the same so it'd be interesting i mean we could have a, a bumper 30 race season with eight races this year and the other 22 next year But, I mean, having said that, they do only need eight races to make up the 2020 season. So if Formula One gets that underway, then, yeah, we can have a really short season or we could have an extremely, extremely long season. Who knows at this moment in time? Everything is pretty much speculation and a whole lot of guesswork. And, yeah, I mean, really, nobody actually knows what's going on. And you you can't make any predictions for the future right now either. I'd probably rather the super season than
0: just a kind of short eight race one, just because whoever wins an eight race championship, it, it, people are always gonna, you know, make the claim, ah, oh, it wasn't a genuine title, you know. If Hamilton equals Schumacher, people are gonna dispute it by saying, oh, it wasn't a genuine one; it was only eight races. Or the same thing if Verstappen becomes the youngest world champion. So I don't know. For me, it seems a pretty, pretty, you know, no-brainer call cool to merge the two and make it some big exciting super season but uh obviously there's other factors involved in that decision for uh for f1 the virus isn't just affecting this season calendar obviously um due to the teams receiving a reduced income as a result of this season's reduced calendar the 2021 rule and regulation changes have now been pushed back a year to 2022 seeing this was to me more gutting than any any of the 2020 race calendar announcements would have been you know if we lose a few races okay but i I think everybody in the sport was very ready for a kind of changing of things on the grid for 2021 so it's uh it's a shame to have to wait a year but it's probably the right call isn't it
1: i think it is the right call like i say it is a shame we were all really looking forward to formula one pressing that reset button uh, to hopefully have a situation where we had cars racing wheel to wheel throughout the Grand Prix as opposed to just on laps one to three and, and then the final five laps as well. So, yeah, really, really disappointed for that. But at the same time, you can understand why Formula One made that decision. Uh, Like you say, the teams are losing money hand over fist. The more races that are postponed, that will eventually, I'm assuming, become cancelled, because there's no way they're going to go from race to race weekends, one after the other, to try and fit in as many as possible. Uh, It's just not feasible with the, the transport and everything that goes on in Formula One. So yeah, I think uh, I think no matter what, we're going to be in for a shortened calendar. And it's going to be shorter by less than by more than just the two races that are. So it's a lot of money that teams are losing. Um, Helmut Marko reckons they're losing 100 million for every five races that don't take place. So, the Formula 1 teams and the FIA and Liberty Media, they've all agreed that next year's rules will be the same, the technical rules at least, and teams will race the same chassis. Uh, This is a very interesting one for McLaren, as they are swapping engines at the end of the season. Um, And as someone put it so aptly put it, you can't just stick one engine into a chassis, pull it out and stick another one in. They're completely different in their design and everything. So, great choice for Formula One for the teams financially, except perhaps for McLaren. That could be a bit of a problem.
0: Yeah, I saw as well. McLaren, I can't remember if it was today, yesterday, or when it was, but they did announce that um, the, that they're going to go ahead and take the Mercedes engine for next season because a lot of people logically assume that maybe that, that engine change would be delayed a year as well. Do you think maybe that's something they... Legally can't do due to a contract they've already signed, or is it a, a choice that they want to get the Mercedes engine in
1: there? I honestly don't know because, like I said, you you can't just stick a different engine into the car. The car's designed partially around that engine and how it works and how it's fitted. So it really does involve changing quite a bit of the car, which could be an expensive endeavor for McLaren, and they'd be the only ones having to take that financial hit because the rest of the team's would all be putting the Abu Dhabi car on the Australian grid, yes, there are contracts in place, but at the same time, you you could argue that there were contracts in place to change the rules in Formula One and stuff. I I, I think, well, I would like to think that everyone at McLaren, Mercedes and Renault would be, let's say, woke enough to concede that this is the situation we're in, and if these contracts need to be changed, they can be deferred by a year. But yep, they're going ahead with it and it'll be interesting to see how how McLaren actually cope with the engine change in the same car.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Aside from the obvious effects this change is going to have on the teams, the pecking order, uh, the cars, what they look like. Another effect it could have is on silly season, obviously. A lot of drivers' contracts are coming to an end at the end of 2020. And with big regulation changes coming A lot of people kind of expected a lot of movement, maybe drivers taking risks joining new teams. Obviously, with Leclerc and Verstappen both signing on, that kind of died down a bit. But you still have, you know, the likes of Daniel Ricciardo, Sebastian Vettel, who could end up wanting to take a risk on a team that's maybe traditionally not as good because of those changes. So do you think it's going to have much of an effect on
1: where drivers go for next year? I don't think it will, actually. Um, no one's going to sign a one-year contract when they can get a two- or three-year contract. So I think whatever they do, they'll be looking now to an eye to 2022. I mean, even a driver who decided to swap at the end of this season to a new team was going to have no clue if his new team actually understood the new rules and how things would go. So I really don't think it'll have an impact. If someone's going to swap teams, then, yep, now's as good a time to do it as two three years time
0: yeah yeah it's a good point yeah i think not many of the big names we mentioned either are going to be up for really doing um one-year contracts anyway i guess so um, with no real racing taking place uh esports have stepped up to fill the void uh so the race and velocity esports hosted events featuring esport races professional drivers and popular youtubers last week yeah although nico Rosberg is yet to make an appearance and now F1 themselves are joining, announcing a virtual Grand Prix series to fill in each week until, they say, the end of May, uh, but they also put a little asterisk saying that it may go on longer depending on what happens. Obviously, it's not the real thing, but um, before we get into how it is, it, it, it's, a, it's a pretty good initiative from the sport, I think, isn't it?
1: I thought it was a great way to keep fans enter- entertained. Um Actually, my only complaint was I thought more of the regular race drivers would be doing it, but we only had two signing up for, for the Bahrain. I don't know. Maybe the others, if they see how popular it is with the fans and how many people actually tuned in to, to follow this online, uh, might jump at it. Maybe teams might have something to say as well. I mean, the drivers are now on extended holiday. though. No, they're still getting paid. I'm going with a lot of money, so... Yeah, it would be nice to see a, a couple more of them chip in to keep the rest of us entertained.
0: Yeah, what I'd love was get every F1 driver to, you know, stream their own, uh, their, their, their own race. So obviously Lando Norris has been streaming whatever he's got up to in his races. And, uh, oh, it's been great fun, you know. it's uh, I look at it, I'm so happy he hasn't. Uh, obviously there were those comments from him at the start of the season saying he's going to tone it down a bit because of complaints. But uh, I don't know, what, watching that just is a... You know, he's an advocate for why he shouldn't. Um, it's been great fun, and yeah, I'd love to see more drivers take part. I think Kimi streaming a race probably never happened because there's probably not much he'd like to do less than that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, you see Kimi or Ricardo streaming a race, I think it would be great.
1: Yeah, it would be fantastic for Formula One. Um, the closest Kimmy gets to streaming races is is showing videos of his young son Robin in the in the simulator at home which is always cute, but that's just a couple of seconds long. So, as you said, it would be nice if the other drivers got involved. I think Lando Norris is an absolute legend for doing this. Like you said, he said at the beginning of the year he's going to tone it down uh, because he has been criticized by people, and and he hasn't at all, and I think it's absolutely wonderful. He has a way of bringing Formula One to the people through social media, through his streaming, through his Instagram posts and his Twitter things, and um, the kid's got a great sense of humour. So, yeah, long love Lando Norris in Formula One.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, that's the state of affairs in F1 at the moment, was with the lack of races. They may be slightly depressing, but thankfully Pedro De La Rosa kindly gave us something else other than uh, COVID-19 to talk about with some, uh, some quotes he gave on the uh, Beyond the Grid podcast. So, effectively, he, uh, I mean, there's a lot of quotes, but I'll just cut them down. He said, uh, on regards to Hamilton and Alonso's pairing back in 2007, he said, if we look back, that driver pairing is possibly the strongest there's ever been. I always think the new generations are stronger, so it's nothing against and Prost. They're my heroes, forever heroes. But I think that level, Fernando Lewis, was amazing. Unsurprisingly, that's caused quite a stir among the uh, Formula One fan base. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's a pretty controversial comment. So we're just going to read out some of the comments that have been left on our article uh, with the quotes. So uh, Erica Reyes said, uh, racing wise, I'll bet on an Alonso Hamilton pairing as the GOAT. Senna versus Prost comes close, but Alonso and Hamilton never resorted into ramming each other, even in their most heated moments and even in the, in the succeeding years. Yeah, obviously the same can't be said for Senna versus Prost there. Franco Cobas said Senna versus Prost. Ramon Martinez said Ayrton Senna and Alan Prost by far the strongest pair in F1 history. But yeah, that's obviously a pretty popular one. Uh, But then we do have some that are still, some more that do agree with the Hamilton Alonso claim as well. Uh, What are your thoughts on it? I mean, it's a bit of a strange one, isn't it? Because ultimately they didn't win anything together in their year together. And it kind of ripped up the team from the
1: inside. It is an interesting one because if you take them as individuals, Lewis Hamilton and Fernando Alonso are two of the best drivers that Formula One, we could probably say Formula One has ever seen. They're both fantastic drivers, incredible speed, car control. They've got everything to them. Uh, Were they the best driver lineup? No. They were probably one of the worst teammate pairings that McLaren have ever had in that I mean, it's it's so strange because De La Rosa goes on to speak about their respect for each other, and yet there seemed to be no respect for many, many years, and definitely not in that one season as together. Both very strong drivers, both fantastic drivers, but as a lineup, I don't think it was a particularly good one, and so I don't think Ron Dennis did either in the end.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, he definitely wasn't a big fan of it. Um, yeah, I think there's two ways you can look at it, really. There's the way of, which I think Pedro De La has done, of the two kind of outright best drivers based on their speed and their ability, regardless of how they did together for the team. But then you could also look at it who's actually been a successful driver pairing, didn't squabble with each other or uh, hurt the team's chances at all. Yeah, going with that second one, I'd say... Senna C- v Prost obviously was successful, but again, they took each other out of two huge races in um, in two consecutive years. So, again, I I think if you just look at kind of harmonious team pairings, maybe Schumacher-Barrichello would be up there?
1: I think you could put Schumacher-Barrichello, yeah, like you say, harmonious pairings up there. Um, Barrichello was by no means a Schumacher. Neither was he a, a Prost or a Senna. But it's just what I found so interesting is everyone pretty much immediately went to Prost and Senna. That was the driver pairing of its day, of its Formula One history. I mean, you can go back to the times when I think Moss was teammates with Fangio, very briefly. But there was, yeah, Formula One drivers. It's, it's funny because you always think about the generations that you know as opposed to the generations in the past. And there really were some strong lineups in, in yesteryear, but just nothing seems to top that Senna Prost. They, they had everything from speed to rivalry to crashes to world titles. It, just, it was a fantastic pairing. And, yeah, pretty shocked that, uh, Senna, I mean, that Pedro De La Rosa will give it to Hamilton and Alonso.
0: In terms of lineups we've seen in more kind of recent times... We've got a few comments here from people saying, you know, uh, Verstappen-Ricardo. Uh, you know, late, later down the line, will be considered the best ever just because of the ability of the two drivers, assuming that they go on to be successful from here. Uh, in like the last decade, say, so, what 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 lineup do you think stands out to you?
1: Well, I mean, if you want to go with a really successful driver pairing, it would have to be Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg. And yet again, you can't put Rosberg into the same category as Alonso, Senna, Prost, Fangio. It's just, it's just not done. Y'all. And yet the Verstappen-Ricardo one is interesting because there you have two drivers who, between the two of them, have absolutely no world titles. And yet they both were actually fantastic drivers. Well, are fantastic drivers. Um, and as teammates, they. They got everything that they could out of those those Red Bulls that they had for those few years. So yeah, but I'd have to say if you're gonna go with today's line, I don't know, you could also go with Kimi and Vettel. I mean, there as well, there's been a, a really strong lineup. Um, definitely a, a difference between the number one and the number two. But I mean you could argue in the, the Mercedes case of Hamilton and Rosberg, there also was a number one and number two. So on strength of two drivers, both being number one, that would have to go probably to the, the Stefan-Ricardo partnership.
0: Yeah, that's what I'd say as well. In terms of the kind of easy uh, one-two pairing, obviously, yeah, like you mentioned, Vettel-Kimmy. Um, I would say Alonso Massa, but I think Massa was just that bit too slow to that for that to be considered a successful pairing. Um, or Alonso was just, that good that it made Massa look slow but uh yeah I think if you had Massa kind of still getting the odd podium then that'd be a good one but he was quite a way off really either way I don't think I'd put Hamilton or Alonso into into the mix all right well that's uh that's everything for today's episode uh as always thanks very much for getting in touch with us if you'd like your comments or read out for any of these podcasts and continue to comment on our articles on the planet f1 site and you can get in touch with us on twitter at planet underscore f1 and on facebook at planet f1 you'll have this podcast coming back most mondays to keep you updated on whatever's going on in the world of formula one we look forward to the episode where we can tell you a firm starting date for the season to uh, to get back underway in the meantime as i said keep an eye on our website and we'll see you soon bye trying to recruit someone right now? At irishjobs.ie, we know it's just one more thing on your endless to-do list. Somewhere between preparing Friday's presentation and picking up dinner. That's where irishjobs.ie can help. With almost 1 million registered career seekers in our constantly updated talent bank, you can be sure you'll always hire at the pick of the bunch. Take that to-do list. Get a fresh perspective on your recruitment. Visit IrishJobs.ie. ChumbaCasino.com. Jumba. No
1: purchase necessary. Full work by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.